Today is Thursday, February 15, 2024. It is 9 a.m. We are in the city, in city chambers, and I called the Planning and Zoning Advisory Board meeting to order. Roll call. Michael Petrakowski. Nita Hester. Jose Irizarry. Philip Ludos. Frank Fair. And Linda Waugh. Let the record note that Mr. Maturo is absent. We'll st stand for the pledge. Mr. Recording Secretary, has anyone submitted public comment cards? Yes, we have one public comment from uh, Deborah Plusson. Yeah. Oh, all right, thank you. Uh, if you would please step up to the podium. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to start out with, um, do I have a clock? Where do, oh, there, thank you. Um, the city of Northport had a strategic vision plan, an innovative, friendly, engaging, and sustainable community where residents, businesses, and visitors can flourish to provide exceptional service to our entire community for the continuous enrichment of quality of life through transparency, engagement, and service. After one and a half years of preparation and spending tens of thousands of dollars having surveys completed for the building permit, my um, building permit was submitted for my zoned single-family residence to lot that was placed on hold. The reason was you were located in an activity center six, which is not going to allow single-family residence two to be built. These lots were platted in 1970, and no rezoning has occurred. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I have met with two present homeowners and two of my cul-de-sac neighbors on our five-lot cul-de-sac on Fenny Court that they had no idea that this was occurring. Um, and they are very concerned. They are now going to be placed in a non-conforming, placing these homes that they've already built, one of them, which is over $400,000, at risk um, due to if their house burns down and this plan, which is way in the future, um, they're not allowed to rebuild, so making their land useless. The opposing zoning and future proposed land use of this small neighborhood area that has 29 homes and on my call does act five homes, which I have already submitted a building permit for, is now a conflict. The facts are, there is no city water or wastewater expansion plan for this area confirmed by the utilities department. The closest northern neighborhood area is Atwell, which is projected expanses is 2,800. So <laughs> I come to you today just to share this little bit of information. I will be uh, filing an appeal for my building permit based on some other issues. But my rhetorical question today is, how will this advisory board propose to protect those with an active permit from being denied while this conflict is being resolved with zoning and the future land use of this area and provide protection for the current homeowners in this area? I propose that you consider an updated survey given this change 
in the allowed zoning area for single family residents and perhaps consider a small um, change in the comprehensive plan for this area that could include single family residents on a small percentage. Thank you for your time, I appreciate. Thank you. <clears throat> then we'll move forward with the approval of the minutes, 24-280. So moved. Support. Okay, it's been, a motion has been made by Mr. Irizarry, seconded by Mr. Ludos, to approve the minutes. Would all in, in favor say yes? Yes. 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 Those not in favor say nay. The motion passes unanimously. And we go to public hearings. Consideration of petition PLF 23-127, Replat Woodlands Commercial Park, phase one. This is a quasi-judicial hearing. And everyone wishing to provide testimony, please stand and raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm the testimony you are about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge for the help you got? Thank you. Have there been any ex parte communications? Begin with Mr. Patrick Costa. No. 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 Yes. I visited the site. No. And no for me. Are there any aggrieved parties, recording secretary? No. Thank you. Then we'll have the presentation by applicant. If you come down to the podium on your right, on my right. Thank you, commissioners. Good morning. My name is Todd Mathis. I'm here representing Benderson Development and our affiliated owners of the site. Uh, I'm going to make my presentation very uh, short and, and sweet and simple. This is the third time I've, I have been sworn. Uh, I've been in front of you twice before we have as an applicant uh, concerning this project, which is the warehouse development at the corner of Toledo Blade and I-75. Uh, this is an old piece of land that was planted by someone else uh, for different development that is not occurring there. And so this, this replat really cleans things up takes the parcels and makes them large contiguous tracts of land, which will be uh, commonly owned and managed by our company rather than having, uh, you know, sort of one-off sales to a bunch of different folks. Um, we're there, we're the, the single owner of this, these large tracts of land. So it's really just a, a cleanup of the plat that uh, is not moving forward. <coughs> Thank you. Thank you, Steph. Good morning, David Brown, Planner One, uh, Planning Zoning, and I have been sworn. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about the Woodland Commercial Park um, replat. 
The applicant is Todd Mathis, Director of Development for Vendors and Development. The property owner is Huntington National Real Estate Investments, a Florida limited liability company. And the request is consideration of a wood of Woodland Commercial Plat, or sorry, Woodland Commercial Park Plat, a replat of Panacea Commercial Park Phase One. The location is northeast corner of, U, of North Toledo Blade Boulevard and Plantation Boulevard. The property is located at the northeast corner of the north of the North Toledo Blade Boulevard and Plantation Boulevard uh, intersection. The total area is plus or minus 64.34 acres. Here's a um, final plat overview. This has been reviewed and found in compliance with Florida State Statutes of the, and ULDC Chapter 37 subdivision regulations. The final plat was reviewed and approved by the contracted city surveyor for compliance with Florida State Staff Statutes Chapter 177 Part 1. The final plat was reviewed for conformance with the approved subdivision plan and infrastructure plans. Staff recommends the approval of the petition number PLF-23-250, which is the Woodlands Commercial Park uh, subdivision. Thank you. Thank you. Applicant, is there any rebuttal? Staff, do you have any? Rebuttal? We do not. Thank you. There's no public comment? Correct, no public comment. Thank you. All right. I'll close the hearing and no, don't no, close. And go to discussion. Board questions. Board questions. No. Any beginning down at the end? Uh, will the new FEMA maps have any effect on this uh, project? I don't believe so. Um, give me two seconds and I can tell you for sure. No, no, the, 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 the uh, flood zone is not changing on this parcel with the new maps. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Uh, I know it's probably not necessary at this point, but I'm just interested. What is the uh, development timing of this parcel? It's been planned to be built for about 15 years now. Construction's underway. Construction's <coughs> underway right now. So a year from now, uh, you'll see a completed project. What kind of things are going in there? So, so it's it's very similar to the existing warehouse buildings that are there today. So it's it's four more of those buildings. Uh, there's a slight improvement to the facade and overall look of the project that uh, we had proposed the last time we were here. So uh, a little bit of an upgrade and uplift, but it's a multi-tenant warehouse project. So we have a range of folks, anyone from a, a air conditioning supply company to a PGT to a Tervis Tumblr, you know, it's a, it's a range of employment. Thank you. Mr. Irizarry? No. Um, um, David, can you pull your diagram back up for me real quickly, please? 
You looking at this one? Or? Yeah, no, the one, that one's fine, right okay. there. In either one, either Mr. Mathis or yourself, on progress court, that is already extended to the other development on the other side, correct? And are these, on the diagram, it appears they're going to be directly across from each other. And I think there's a crossover, as I recall when I was out there, between the two on the island. Is that correct? Uh, I, I think I'm tracking your question. Yes. There's So there's pairs of buildings. Plantation Boulevard exists. There is uh, Progress Court does exist as a driveway into the heading south off plantation. It will likewise head north into plantation, okay. off of plantation. All right. Uh, and yes. um, when I was out there, there it looks like there's going to be a, a large body of water out there. Um, is that part of your retention plan? The, so page right, uh, geographical east, uh, is a large retention pond to the rear of a new pair of buildings, not dissimilar to the two buildings that are there today. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. That's all I have. No questions. And I have no questions. Okay. Closing arguments. Staff? I have none. Applicant? None. Thank you, Commissioner. No closing arguments. I close the public hearing and request a motion. I um, would recommend approval of the Woodlands Commercial Park uh, Phase One Plaque Petition PLF 23127. <coughs> City Commission find that based upon uh, competent and substantial evidence, the plat is consistent with Florida Statute Sections 177.081, the Unified Land Development Code, and the Northport Comprehensive Plan. I'll second. It's been moved by Mr. Baer and seconded by Ms. Hester to approve the approve Woodlands Commercial Park. Phase one plat petition number PLF 23-127 and that the city commission find that based on competent and substantial evidence, the plat is consistent with Florida statutes, section 177.081, the Unified Land Development Code, and the Northport Comprehensive Plan. Those in favor, say aye. Aye. Those opposed? The motion passes unanimously. Okay, our next hearing is consideration of petition PLF-23-201, Welland Park Downtown, Phase 3. This is a quasi-judicial item. And everyone wishing to provide testimony, please stand and raise your right hand. You swear or affirm the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge, so help you God. Thank you. Have there been any ex parte communications? No. 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 And no. Thank you. Recording, Secretary, are there any aggrieved parties? No. Thank you. Then we'll have the presentation by the applicant. Good morning. John Lazinski, Senior Vice President, Welland Park, and I have been sworn. This is a 
small 3.64 acre plat for the extension of what is Brightland Way from Market Way to West Villages Parkway in one commercial parcel. Uh, actually, these could have been done when we did the Market Way plat uh, last year. We held back partly because Kitty Corner from the commercial parcel is a plus or minus 32 acre parcel that SMH owns. They have started looking at opportunities for the development of that. So we wanted to get far enough along in our process and their process to make sure that our intersection of uh, Brightland Way and West Village Parkway would not get affected. And we've determined it would not. And actually, quite frankly, uh, when SMH does come in, they, they as, long as, as, as well as us, have been working with the State College of Florida to bring their intersection to match this Brightland Way. Uh, so it'll be a full intersection someday at West Village Parkway. Commercial property is sold and will be a roughly 25 to 30,000 square foot office building, which we believe will start by the first quarter next year. And I should say this provides a back door into and out of downtown. So if, if you can picture what downtown is, this will bring you into a parking lot that we're going to start in May, which will be right next to the downtown hotel, which has already been planted, and we should start construction on that also at the end of the year, early first quarter next year. Thank you, Mr. Lusinski. Staff? Good morning, David Brown, Planner 1, Planning Zoning. I have been sworn. Today we're here to talk about Welland Park Downtown Phase 3. <clears throat> the applicant is John Lazinski. The property owner is Minnesota Ranchlands LLP, and the request is to consideration of Welland Park Downtown Phase 3 plat. The location is to the south of Sunglow Boulevard, to the west of Southwest Villages Parkway, and to the east of Market Way. The total uh, acreage of this plat is 3.6387 acres. This has been reviewed and found in compliance with Florida State Statutes 177 Part I, and the final plat was reviewed in co for conformance and approved with the approved subdivision concept plan SCP-22-137 and the infrastructure plan of INF-22-136. Planning and Zoning Division recommends approval of petition number PLF-23-201 Welland Park Downtown Phase 3. There are no aggrieved parties, so we'll take rebuttal by applicant. Yes, we have no rebuttal. Staff? Yeah? I have nothing. Thank you. Is there any public comment? No. Okay, we'll open it up for board questions. No questions at this time. No questions. No questions. No questions. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, the uh, and it's shown that uh, the entire site is uh, within a flood zone X, uh, according to the FEMA maps, effective November 4th, 2016. Uh, there are new maps coming out effective in March. Will that impact the site? The future map does show it is going to be an AE zone, um, but John, yeah, me, yeah, I can address that. Uh, as you know, these maps that are going to be adopted here at the end of March, 
yep. were first published in the fourth quarter of 2019. So we have designed everything from fourth quarter of 2019 to be ultimately out of the maps. Uh, FEMA only had a uh, public comment period during the first quarter of 20. And thereafter, they would not make any adjustments to their input process. So we did, were able to make a few minor changes. We are in the process of once those maps are adopted, because we can't do it before, we'll be submitting a whole bunch of LOMARs, which will affect basically everything that's been developed in Welland Park since uh, January 1 to 20, and all of that will be taken out of the floodplain. Well, we plan for it because we've had a lot of runway. What is the uh, LOMAR? Litter map revision. It's a standard FEMA process. I just, uh, Acronyms bother me. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> does that address your question, sir? Yes, it does. Thank, Thank you. And I have no questions. Closing arguments by staff? I have none. Mr. Lissington? Thank you. Okay, then I close the public hearing and request a motion. I, I will make a motion to recommend approval of the Welland Park Downtown Phase 1, 3, Phase 3 plat, petition number PLF, dash 23 dash 201 and that the city commission find that based on competent and substantial evidence with the condition that they look at the flood zone information as it relates to this property and the plat is consistent with the florida statute section 177 uh, period 081 the Unified Land Development Code, and the North Park Comprehensive Plan. I'll second that. <coughs> okay, I'll try to get this right. Okay, it's been moved. Um, a motion has been made by Ms. Hester and seconded by Mr. Baer to approve the Welland Park Downtown Phase 3 Plat Petition Number PLF 23-201 and that the city commission find that based on competent and substantial evidence, the plat is consistent with Florida statutes 177.081, the Unified Land Development Code, and the North Port Comprehensive Plan with conditions that they are consistent with the new flood map. Would that be correct? But consideration of the new flood consideration. map. Consideration. And, and I'm recommending that commission approve rather than just approving it. All right. So I call for a vote. All in favor? I, I'd like aye. to do consent. Uh, re re restate it? No, I'd like to do um, uh, see that discussion for just a minute, mm -hmm. just to make clear uh, for the record that what I'm asking the commission to do is because the flood zone information is changing, that when they consider this, that they consider that in with this so that they're going to meet the requirements of the, of the future information. Because this will be going to commission in, in March, correct? Correct. So that for the, that new zone. Yeah, February 27th, my apologies. Oh, okay. So they, so they still need to be aware of that when they, uh, when they go discuss this. And that was the reason I added that. And I think given his discussion, your discussion, yeah. that you're already aware of it and you intend to move forward with the necessary steps. Yeah. Any further discussion? 
No, I think that with that condition it added uh, adequately addresses the question that I had raised during the flood maps. And as long as commissioners are aware of it, I'm comfortable. Okay, thank you, Mr. Baer. And now I will close the public hearing and take a vote. Those in favor, say aye. 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 Those opposed? Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Next item on the agenda is consideration of petition PLF-23-245, Palmyra at Welland Park, phases 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D. This is a quasi-judicial hearing. And everyone wishing to provide testimony, please stand and raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge for the help of God? Sir. Thank you. Okay, have there been any board ex, ex parte communication? No. 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 And no. Thank you. Re recording secretary, are there any agreed parties? Okay, we'll have presentation by the applicant then. John Lozinski, Senior Vice President, Welland Park, and I have been sworn. This is our, Pal our Palmyra neighborhood, which is in Village I from uh, the next map. It's located at the southwest corner of the property that's in the city of Northport. It is bounded by, on the east by Prado, the south line of this neighborhood, this overall neighborhood. It will be the city county line. The west line is the existing FPL easement, and the north line is either uh, the island, south line of Island Walk or Minnesota Beach Road. Uh, if you remember, I think it was the last meeting, we were here for an extension of about 1,000 feet of Minnesota Beach Road, which pretty much comes to uh, that line where there's a 90-degree turn to the north. Uh, Palmera will ultimately be a neighborhood, a mixed residential neighborhood with approximately 1,150 units. Phase one, which is what we're planning, will have, when we're done, 589 units. Today's plan shows 552 lots for development. That will be uh, some coach homes, 65-foot lots, and 75-foot lots, and 50-foot lots. And we will have six builders in this neighborhood. Property secured development order last summer. This is under development now. Uh, we're also in the building permit process for a $16 million amenity, which construction will start about April 1st. So this is just another continuation of neighborhoods within Welland Park, and we'll have, like I said, multiple builders in it, again, to provide nice diversity of product. Thank <laughs> you. 
Austin Grubb, uh, Planner 3, Planning and Zoning. I have been sworn. This is the final plat for Palmera at Welland Park, phases 1A, B, C, and 1D. Um, applicant is, uh, or uh, applicant is, was listed on the application as Yesenia Leon of GeoPoint Survey, obviously Jones here, and property owner Minnesota Beach Ranchlands LLP. Um, this shows the location, as John had said, and uh, and the city, the uh, western boundary of the city limits. And it's a total of 583 acres. And just for clarification, it's 420 single family lots. Actually, the coach homes are not, they're, the tracks are platted, but they're not shown. So that's the 500 and 552 that he was referring to. But this plat is actually just for 420 single family. Staffs reviewed it for compliance with the uh, ULDC Chapter 37 subdivision regulations and uh, for conformance with the Florida State Statutes Chapter 177 Part 1. Um, the final plat was also reviewed in conformance with the approved subdivision concept plan and the infrastructure plans. The Planning and Zoning Division is recommending approval of petition number PLF. 23-245 for approval of a final plat titled Palmera at Welland Park, phases 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D. Um, just to note, it, the city surveyor's uh, recommendation was not included in the paper copies of your materials. I have it here if, if the commission or the board wants it. Um, essentially, there were some, there's seven typos and housekeeping errors uh, that he wants to have taken care of, but we felt like it was not um, uh, any reason to slow down this process. And since the city surveyor has to sign off on Mylar at the end anyway. So. And questions are, thank you. Thank you. Is there any rebuttal by the applicant? There is none. Rebuttal by staff? None. And there's no agreed parties. Is there any public comment? No. Thank you. Open it up for board questions. Uh, again, how would the FEMA maps uh, affect this project out here? Or how is it intended to be corrected? Uh, yes. Uh, again, this area will be affected partially by the uh, maps where the other parcel actually drains to the Mayaka River. This actually drains towards the west and uh, the creek that way. Uh, we have that information. Once we get to uh, the maps being updated on March 27th, we believe is the day they go active, we will submit within 30 days a letter of map revision uh, request and that will, we should have that in six to nine months. Site's been designed. Um, when you were doing your presentation, the village goes to the southern city boundary. Yes, yes. The first, not this, this first plat. This right. Okay, just wanted to confirm that. Yeah, I was talking about overall village. This is the first plat of what would be two plats for that village. Okay, and the number of units, the five hundred and 
I said 552 units. Okay, is that which meet includes the it, which includes the coach home, which tracks are shown on this plat. Obviously, there'll be a condo plat in the future. Okay, but uh, all of this has been um, confirmed that it still meets the requirements of what's allotted for oh, yeah. the oh, yeah. village. There is not one village that we're even get close to the upset number for the approved EDPC. Okay, I, it wasn't stated anywhere. I just wanted to make sure that's on the record. That's all I have. Thank you. <coughs> Will you please clarify the coach home? What do you mean by coach homes? Coach, a four-unit building, uh, pretty common out in the Lower Park area. It is a townhome building, which basically stack flats, two units below, two units above. Uh, roughly uh, 1,800 to 2,100 square feet. The upstairs units are a little bigger, obviously. Thank you. No further questions. <clears throat> the, uh, were the surveyor's comments inadvertently left out or when it wasn't included? And are, would you qualify these as Scribner errors? Because I'm not comfortable with housekeeping. If it's a Scribner, I mean, it says there's some. Uh, he wanted fence. He wanted the fence added a couple. All those comments have been addressed and resubmitted before we got here. Okay. I should All right. have the mileage with us. All right. Thank you. There was, a, I, I think, five or six of them, you know, very minor. All right. Okay. Thank you. I have no other questions. Mr. Beck? No. And I have no questions. Closing arguments by staff? None. Applicant? I have none. Thank you. I close the public hearing and request a motion. I'd move to recommend approval of the Palmera at Welland Park phases 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D plats. Petition number PLF 23245 with the condition that the applicant, upon the publication of the FEMA map revisions, address that so that, again, as was stated earlier, that the Commission's aware of that. And find based upon the competent substantial evidence, the plat is consistent with Florida statutes, section 177.081, the Unified Land Development Code, and the Northport Comprehensive Plan. I'll second that. Motion was made by Mr. Ludos and seconded by Mrs. Mrs. Hester to approve, recommend approval of the Palmera at Welland Park phases 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D plat, petition number PLF-23-245. And find that the City Commission find that based on the competent and substantial evidence, the plat is consistent with Florida Statute 177-.081, the Unified Land Development Code and the Northport Comprehensive Plan with condition that the applicant address the new flood zone maps. Is that sound? That, yeah, that they, upon uh, the publication of those maps, that the applicant take action based on those maps is basically what I'm looking to have happen. Again, back to what Ms. Hester said, just so the commission's aware of it, I'm I'm recommending approval. It's and they're already 
knowledgeable of it. They intend to do it, but I just think we need to keep the commission aware of it. Thank you, Mr. Leader. And if I may interrupt. Also, you referenced, and I know it was in the motion as drafted, the city commission find. Um, it's your finding since it's, it's your motion here today, not the city commission. Okay, thank you. Do I need to restate? Uh, just clarify that, that it is the finding, not the commission. Okay, thank you. Is there any further discussion? No, then I uh, call for the vote. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Those opposed, say nay. Thank you. Pass, motion passed unanimously. Okay, next item on our agenda is consideration of petition ANX-23-129, US 41 and Tamiami Trail via ordinance number 2024-02. This quasi-judicial? This is a quasi-judicial matter? No, no, it, it is, is not. not a, no. It is no. not a quasi-judicial matter. Then we go directly, apparently, to board questions. Presentation. I have lost this whole thing. Okay. We'll take the presentation by applicant. Yeah. By staff. Good afternoon, Carl Benge, Planning and Zoning. I have been sworn. Um, there was a conflict with schedule with the applicant. Um, you guys may have a little deja vu. This has been before you before. Uh, it was voted unanimous. However, there was an discrepancy in the advertising and the acreage. It was advertised as more acreage than was actually proposed. So nothing has actually changed. We're just doing this as a formality to make sure we keep the ball rolling. So today we're talking about US 41 and Tamiami Trail and the voluntary annexation. This is through petition ANX 23. Can I just make sure that we're clear for the record? This is actually Tamiami Trail and North River Road. Correct. Okay, it says US 41 and Tamiami Trail. So you may want to change that on all your records. So actually, US 41 and Tamiami Trail is the entity that's annexing. That's annexing. This isn't the a description of the location. Ah, this is the, the LLC okay. that's doing it. Then let's clarify that. That's the LLC? Yes. That's, gotcha. the, okay. that's the, the name that they're going with. All right. Yes. Okay. So um, this is presented again. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I kind of made it an edited version because you have seen this before and there has been no changes. So the overview. Uh, the applicant is Martin Black. The property owner is SRI GMR Properties LLC. And again, the name US 41 Tamiami Trail is the petition name, not, Thank the, you. not the actual location description. That clarifies it. Again, they're requesting a voluntary annexation, uh, plus or minus 
that is actually incorrect is 2.491 acres. And that is the discrepancy that the advertisement on the legal ad that was made. Um, so that's a great example. Uh, this is located at the northwest corner of South Tamiami Trail and North River Road. Bit of a background, this property is within the city's future annexation area, and this has been designated and considered for annexation since 1997. Uh, currently, the property has a Sarasota County zoning designation of OUE1, which is Open Use Estates, which is a rural designation. Um, just to kind of give you guys some background, again, this is the stuff that I kind of took out, but I want to uh, reinforce so you guys kind of remember. Um, so. This, in order for this project to move forward, there would have to be a, a future land use uh, change through the Sarasota County because there is no longer a joint planning agreement. And per the city, uh, per the county charter, uh, commissioners must approve all changes to the future land use designation for lands lying outside of their service boundary. And then they follow the county process, the applicant will, to establish a county future land use designation similar to the land use. Once that is established, uh, then the comprehensive plan amendment will be done and rezoning to apply to the city to apply future land use from the city's designation. This has been reviewed by the SDR team, and as you can see, there are some departments that have requirements with conditions, and those conditions will be met <coughs> in future petitions. City attorney has reviewed the ordinance 24, 2024-02 for form and correctness. Um, so... <coughs> This was advertised in a newspaper on January 23rd and January 30th of this year. And there were uh, the notice sent out we had to also, well, we, we also resent the transmittal to the county to kind of clarify since there was an acres discrepancy. That was resent on January 16th, 2024. So here is a description of where the property is. Um, the future land use chapter two encourages voluntary annexations um, between more Middle Springs and Eastern Boundary of West Villages. Um, the property is located in the voluntary annexation area and the property will be rezoned PCD. Here is the uh, list of the future annexation overlay found in the comp plan. Um, and you can see right here, little red dot, that is the property that we're currently talking about. Unified Land <coughs> Development Code, Chapter 53, and Zoning Regulations, Article 1, Map Boundaries, Section 22, and Annexations. Um, the zoning map will be changed to include the annex partial. Currently, it says it will have no zoning designation, but it will eventually have a PCD zoning. And this is all going through this annexation through a non-emergency ordinance number 2024-02, which is consistent with the ULD section 53-22. So we did a fiscal impact analysis over the first five years, and there was a net benefit of $1.8 million, uh, roughly. And the assumption this development would be done at the highest intensity of the allowed uses permitted in the PCD uh, district. If you guys have any other questions, I'll be happy to answer. Thank you very much. Since there's no agreed parties and no other applicant, then I am sure you don't want to rebut yourself. No. So. Is there any public comment? No. Thank you. We'll open it up for board questions. I have no questions. I have no questions. I just want to clarify. So the real aggregate number is 2.59, right? It is 2.49. I think it's 2.491 is the okay. correct acreage. Okay. 
Thank you. Carl, we, we saw this before. And then I, I noticed when the commissioners addressed a similar from the same owner, the issue of contiguous to city property was raised by two commissioners. Is this the same piece or is this a, just another one of that same owner's uh, it's not the same owner that I'm aware of. I don't think the other one is, um, Mar well, I don't think the other agent is Marty Black. I apologize. Um, no. So the portion that you're talking about, I don't have a blowed out version, but it is over here on this okay. side. Um, this doesn't have that issue. Currently, this right here is all within the city. Okay. So, all right. So that's all I, I thank you very much. Yep. Mr. Beck? No questions. And I have no questions. Closing arguments, Steph? Uh, we have nothing. Thank you. I, pub I close the public hearing and request a motion. I move to recommend approval of ordinance number 2024-02 based on competent substantial evidence as presented. Second. Was that by Second. Patrick? It has been moved by Mr. Ludo, seconded by Mr. Patrickowski to approve petition ANX-23-129, US-41 and Tamiami Trail, ordinance number 2024-02. All in favor? Aye. 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 Those opposed? Motion passes unanimously. Just clarify that that's based on competent substantial evidence as presented. Okay, restated the motion to recommend approval of petition number ANX-23-129, US 41 and Tamiami Trail, ordinance number 2024-02, based on competent substantial evidence as presented. Thank you. Okay, the next... Next item on the agenda is consideration of petition number. I'm trying to walk. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. All right, next, next is consideration of Petition number TXT-23-270, ordinance number 2024-04, amending the United Land Development Code Chapter 17 Flood Damage Prevention Regulations, updating the effective date in order to continue in the Nas National Flood Insurance Program, NFIP. Staff? Good morning, Madam Chair, uh, members of the board. My name is Hank Flores. I'm the Planning and Zoning Manager. Uh, the Federal Emergency Management Administration is issuing new flood insurance maps for Sarasota County, which includes the city of Northport. Uh, these maps will be effective on March 27, 2024. Uh, in order for the city to continue to participate in the National Flood Insurance Program, the effective date of the maps needs to be updated in the city's flood damage protection regulations. 
Uh, the draft ordinance has been reviewed by the city's planning department, the city's stormwater manager, Elizabeth Wong, as well as Michael Burchett of FEMA, and the city's flood consultant, Rebecca Quinn. Uh, the ordinance has been updated to reflect the adoption date of March 27, 2024, as well as all subsequent amendments and revisions to the flood damage regulations and the flood insurance rate maps. Other recommended revisions <coughs> include the deletion of references to the coastal high hazard area and the addition of sequential numbers in the letter of map change section, chapter 17. Uh, the proposed ordinance meets the standards of the ULDC Unified Land Development Code and is consistent with the comprehensive plan. Staff recommends that this board forward a recommendation of approval of draft threat ordinance 2024-04 to the City Commission. Thank you, sir. Board questions? Uh, none at this time. I do have some general the revised maps are not included. What process was gone through to determine whether or not the city agreed with the county before getting the approval? And is there any parts of it that the city does not agree with? Uh, well, this, the process was handled by our stormwater manager, uh, Elizabeth Wong. She wasn't able to be here today. Uh, I think she would be available by phone. She's watching. Uh, so she handled the whole process. Um, my understanding is we had some issues with the uh, topographic data that they used, and we did object to that, but FEMA wouldn't update the topographic information. So uh, there, there were some uh, feelings that they didn't use proper data. And then uh, so if it, there may be possibility that certain developments will have to uh, apply for a letter of map amendment for subdivisions in order to bring their... But as a city, we don't have any recourse if we don't agree? No, ma'am. We it's just have to, to do this? It's, it's federal government, so no, we don't have any recourse other than going through the process. Generally, through the process, local government's supposed to have input. And Did we, and we they, had that input? Minor saying we had input, whether or not they accepted our input, I'm not okay. sure if they did that. Can fully. the city, after this is done, the things that they didn't like, can they put in um, requests for map changes? I believe that would be individual property owners. The as city well. can't do it if they if there's something in there that they don't agree with. That. Um, what is the mechanism that somebody can't, one agency can say, sorry, we don't care what you think. This is what we're going to do, and you have to accept it. Something there doesn't sound right to me. Well, it is the federal government. I don't care. The federal <laughs> government could be wrong. They could be. Um, what is the, the only process is to address the, that errors? Is through the letter of map amendment. There's uh, four different. Um, they're in the code. Four different types. Uh, letter of map amendment. There's a letter of map revision. There's a letter of map revision based on fill, as well as a conditional letter of map revision. And that's all processes through the FEMA. And and that has to be done by the individual owners of the property. The city cannot. Um, I can't say it won't be. Not, I believe it would be individuals. Or if it's in residential subdivision, it would be the developer who would have to do it. Mm -hmm. 
don't think that quite answered my question, but I think that it's out there for everyone to understand that, that based on this, this is a housekeeping thing that says, you don't have any say in this. You can tell us all you want. You don't get to make any of the decisions. We're going to do this. And then you guys just have to live with it. Well, I think my problem with that is, and Hank, you mentioned topographical. You had objections on topographical. That's the whole point of a map yeah. of, of flood zones. If it's a topographical that the city has already said they don't agree with, it seems like we're backing we're backing into this thing. We we voiced our objection and they've they've said no, we're not going to do this. But my concern is the same as yours. A topographical objection is at the highest point of the level for me because that's what the whole purpose of the map revisions are. And if the city saw something they didn't like and pouring that back down, I mean, you're the ones making the revision to the ordinance. And I understand what you're saying. Trust me. I, if the federal government was in charge of my checkbook, I'd be in real trouble. So that's, this is another indication that, you know, if we're caught in that environment, but I just think it's, I think it's could be problematic from the standpoint of the way you've presented this. You've noted a re an objection and doesn't seem to be any resolution except it goes downhill to the people that currently have the property. And uh, I don't know where the city would be. I, and I'm sure that the city attorney's office would probably be involved along with uh, who was either, who ramrodded this in the first place. But uh, yeah, I think it's, I'm uncomfortable with it based on that information. doesn't mean we're not going to pass it. It's just, I think the city sounds like it's in a catch-22 environment here right now that could be handed on. Based on what I see, we have to approve this right. because that's our law. But I would like to see some kind type of recourse in there that they have to redo it. I mean, government <laughs> has to have some way of protecting our citizens. If they're using the wrong information, to determine what our citizens have to live with, then we have to have some type of recourse. And I just want the commission to be aware of that. I realize that we as a uh, no, no, body we, don't have that. Right. But the commission should have something. And I, I guess what I'm trying to do is putting this on the record, is letting the commission know that there's an issue. They should check that out and see what they can do about it. And I am sure that they are all intelligent enough to know this already. I just want it on our record. I believe, uh, from some experience following Hurricane Sandy, they basically did the same thing to New York and their coastline. Uh, unfortunately, I think New York took the, uh, the direction of actually filing suit against FEMA. Uh, and here we are, literally years and years later, and those maps are still not adopted because of the lawsuit. Uh, I, I think, and, uh, and again, it's the, uh, the city attorney's office could bear me out. Uh, recognizing that issue, and I do agree with you, it should be on the record. However, stance in order to keep us moving and keep us legal with the flood program is to, in essence, put the burden on the property owners to submit for the letter of amendment, map amendment. I believe that's the direction that they're heading 
in order to keep our ordinances up to date and current so that we're not penalized for any participation in the program. Chair, the city attorney office has not participated in this process at this point. And um, generally speaking, the uh, federal government adopts its laws and regulations, and we are subject to those. So I believe the process that your um, uh, speaker has outlined to you is generally accurate, and um, we're trying to color within the lines uh, at this point. Thank you. Any further discussion? Mr. Patrikowski. Uh, in another state, I was uh, trying to get involved with getting a map amendment that the elevation was off by several feet. Uh, it was very cost prohibitive to go ahead with it. We were told by FEMA that it should be the county or the city to get involved to uh, help with or defray the cost. Uh, since we're in an unincorporated area, uh, we had no city to rely on, and the county government said, you realize how many mistakes there are and how much it would cost the county to go ahead with these amendments uh, for individuals. Uh, they told us go ahead by ourselves. But again, it for a mistake that's made to put the burden back on uh, the people that's on the wrong. property, I think is wrong. And I think there should be some outside pressure by either the city or the county to help uh, if they have to go after these individual uh, changes for the topographical mistakes. I think that's how that should be handled. I don't think it should be a burden put on the individual landowner. And, and if I could ask one more question. Yes. Um, if we vote no on this or recommend denial, what happens with our rate map program? Uh, well, we lose our flood insurance. We lose our people flood can't insurance. get flood insurance. Right. They won't be they won't be able to get flood right insurance. because we're out of compliance. And I comment. I think the earlier comment that based on what we do, not the commission, we're in a position to approve this on its face, maybe with comment, but I know. You know, not having because then we add to the residential problem and the commercial problem wherever it lies. Right. Back to the topographical side of it, you can't let that happen to the resident. Our goal is to protect the city residents and businesses in our recommendations. I don't think we have any latitude in this. It's unfortunate. And I think back to what the city attorney said and what Hank said is getting kicked out of the program because we don't want to move it forward. I think we're obligated at this point. We have no evidence from our side, from the advisory board side, that we can actually do that. So well, then I would recommend that we that we approve on the condition that the commission review the topographical information, determine whether or not that they have any resource to. to if that's your motion, I'll support it. <laughs> she, she hasn't called for it yet. <laughs> but I will. Okay. Hopefully. Any more discussion? Mr. Powell, is there any public comment? No. Thank you. So I request a motion. I will um, move to recommend approval uh, to the City Commission of Ordinance Number 2024-04 with the condition that the Commission request information regarding the topology 
issues. I second that. Regarding topographic discrepancies. Okay, there's a motion on the table by Ms. Mrs. Hester, seconded by Mr. Ludos, to recommend approval to the City Commission of Ordinance Number 2024-04, with condition that the City Commission request information regarding topographical discrepancies. Call. Is there any discussion? No. Just a comment to the. This isn't about you, Hank, or what planning and zoning did. I know we're directing it at you. We're just, I think the frustration is where you're at. I'm sure you guys are frustrated, so nothing. Thank you. I'll call for a vote. All in favor? Aye. 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 All opposed? <clears throat> the motion passed unanimously. Now we have a presentation by the city attorney's office regarding petition or item number 24-0196, presentation of Sunshine Law Training. Mr. Powell, I should have asked you about this first. Is there a way to pull this up over here? Oh, uh, I put it on there. Did you? Okay. Yeah. You're the best. Appreciate you. Okay, hello all. I will be brief. I have a quick presentation. Has everybody here taken this presentation before on Sunshine? I figured it's a yearly thing, so like I said, I will be brief. I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but you guys are required to do so. Let me find it. You got it. It was the one that you were just talking about. This one? Yeah. This one. Yeah, if you could just state your name. Yes. Caitlin Coughlin, Assistant City Attorney. I don't think I've had the pleasure of meeting you guys before. I am now the police legal advisor, so I work with primarily the PD as well as fire rescue. I do a little bit of this um, for Mr. Golan. You probably had him last time. And, and like I said, I'll be brief. I have a couple examples. Obviously, this is the same thing you guys had last year. Um, so we'll go into it. One thing I did want to mention is that Government in the Sunshine, I use this manual, and I don't know how many of you guys have downloaded this manual. I use it probably at least once or twice a day. Control F if there's any ever any questions, and I'll have some ethics uh, portions on there too. But if, if there's ever any questions and you guys want to kind of look that up yourself and figure out what you may or may not be doing, um, I highly recommend downloading the Government in the Sunshine manual. Okay, so public meetings. What's a public meeting? It's going to be any gathering, whether formal or casual, of two or more members of the same board where they discuss some matter on which foreseeable action will be taken on their board. What's a gathering? That could be a conversation, text message, email, phone call. And it does apply to everybody up here. Um, one thing that we have been seeing in the media lately is, of course, you know, what constitutes that gathering, what constitutes a, a foreseeable action. I saw an example in the Sunshine Manual that if one of you uh, happens to, let's say, take something off the agenda, you're not discussing the contents of what that foreseeable action is. You're just 
basically stating a conclusory sentence. So something like that would be okay. So it does have to be a foreseeable action that you guys are discussing. Um, so open meeting requirements, obviously they have to be open to the public. We all know that this is um, recorded and uh, broadcast, reasonable notice, and that's all on the back end of everything. And then the meetings of the minutes must be taken and recorded like Mr. Bowell is doing now. Penalties for these violations. This is, I would say, one of the most important things and I do keep updated on the news. I'm sure that you guys see them a lot too. Uh, just as far as something that could have really been avoided. Uh, communication, text message, you know, social media, where commissioners and or boards are getting in trouble because they are having that communication, which is now a meeting. It hasn't been published. It hasn't met any of this. So there are criminal penalties for that. Uh, these are just some updates. There's been a couple in the news lately. Um, like I said, I think it's a good refresher as far as we all, you know, get very casual in our roles. And I can say that, especially when we have two phones, we have computers, we have our private computers. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind that these penalties, it happens every single day. Uh, public records, obviously, is going to be anything. Anything, documents, papers, letters, maps, books, tapes, photographs, films. The list goes on and on and on. doesn't matter what the physical form is. Uh, I know in the city attorney's office side of things, we go through, we don't get every public records, but any legal questions that go to this, we do handle those public records. And I can tell you there are just an incredible amount of public records, and I'm sure Mr. Powell can attest to that too, that come through, those requests are coming through. I, it's an insane amount, especially because we have a different one here and then we also have it at the police department. Okay, so are you receiving a public record? Um, so ask yourself, if there's something or there's any communication that's happening, are you receiving this material because of your position on this board? Is the material made or received in connection with a transaction of official business of the city? And then is the material used to perpetuate, communicate, or formalize any of the knowledge of what you guys are working with? Email and text messages. I will go into this briefly um, because this has been a hot topic lately. I don't know how many of you have two different phones, but like I said, whether it's social media, all of these things, any electronic messages from private computers and phones that are written or received in connection with official business are public records and subject to retention and disclosure. I've written uh, quite a few legal analysis, and I'm going to read a portion of that right now because I think this is a really important aspect that has come up a lot lately. Um, just as far as you know, what we do, like I said, we have sometimes two phones, whether you have two or one phone that you kind of separate the two. Um, I'll briefly read you just a portion of some of my legal responses to both the PD and to the city. So a public official or employee's use of a private cell phone to conduct public business via text message can create a public record. This is all case law uh, out of second DCA and the fourth DCA. Uh, strong public policy reasons support the conclusion that an electronic information stored on privately owned devices may be subject to disclosure under the Public Records Act. The purpose of both Article 1, Section 24, and Chapter 119 public records is to ensure that citizens may review and criticize government actions. The purpose would be defeated if a public official can shield the disclosure of public records by conducting business on a private phone. So I go into paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs, and I think a lot of people forget that. Um, and it, it, that's a good reminder that regardless of how you're communicating, where you're communicating, that can create a public record. It could also constitute a gathering 
wherein you guys are now violating uh, the Sunshine Law. Public records request. Um, obviously, the whole point in Sunshine is open in the light. Florida is big on public records requests, but it is construed uh, liberally in favor of disclosure. So obviously, we're going to have the Sunshine Manual. Like I said, if you guys are ever curious, bored one day and you want to go through that manual, it is very interesting. That's kind of our job on the legal side of things is going through and seeing what exemptions apply. Obviously, the city clerk is the custodian of those records and then forwarding all requests for public records to the liaison of the city clerk. So we could be in the, let's say, the elevator and somebody asks you, you know, can I, I'm making a public records request. Well, that's something that you can't ignore. They could ask me, they could ask Ms. Roberts, they can ask anybody. So that's something that you would have to forward to the city clerk because failure to answer that public records request, regardless of the form, whether it's verbal or written, that has to be something we have to give to them, them being the citizen or whoever is requesting it. Uh, retention. We've run into this issue a couple times too, where people are unsure of what they are supposed to retain. If you're unsure, uh, I would go ahead and retain those documents. Uh, you never want to run into a situation where you have had some communications that may or may not constitute a public record, and you have now, let's say, deleted it, or you have now, it, it almost uh, looks as if you were trying to hide something. So if you do believe it's a public record, I'd retain those and obviously give them to uh, the city clerk's office, and they'll be able to. If we give it to the city clerk's office, then we don't need to retain it, because they will. Right, right, exactly, yes. But if there's something, let's say, you're not sure of, um, I would just all send them off. Exactly. exactly. And that's why I always err on the side of if you think it's a public record, it probably is because we're in this open government. Yes. And this is considered a public record. I can go and share this with my friends. This is what we discuss here. Not necessarily. So you're private. When you start sharing it with other people, yes, quite possibly. The public record, the agenda, that's going to be a public record because that's going to be already disclosed mm -hmm. online. If you are taking private notes and you're keeping them to yourself, those aren't necessarily um, able to be disclosed. What I do in the city attorney's office, and I'm not sure if Ms. Roberts does this too, but if I am taking notes in there from only me, nobody else, they are not necessarily subject to disclosure because that's my knowledge. These are my private notes and I'm doing it in anticipation of what the discussion is. The second you say it out loud verbally or you discuss those notes, it becomes a public record. Um, again, don't forget about the request. This is the, I use the elevator, citizen in the elevator example. Um, anybody who asks you for documents it could be considered a public records request. Most likely they're asking you for a public records request. Um, this one just says newly elected Manatee County Commissioner James Satcher sued over public records request. Um, he failed to respond to the public records request. Not that it's necessarily your obligation to respond to, like, let's say, the citizen in the elevator, but it is your obligation to send that to the city clerk so that they can properly respond. And like I said, err on the side of caution. If there's something you may think that possibly is like, oh, I think they asked me for a public record, I get them emails a lot. I'll send them over to the PD public records and I'll say, hey, I believe this was a public record. Um, as to, so this was just, inability to comply. So just because you're not able to comply, a totally appropriate answer in the public records world is no responsive documents. So we get public records requests all day and they could ask for XYZ. Sometimes we don't have XYZ. We don't have those, those public records. 
The problem is, is that we have to convey that to the person. You can't just ignore it because you know that there's no public records. That has to be open and you have to allow them to understand why or what we asked or what they asked of us has no responsive documents. So keep that in mind as well. Lawsuits obviously occur from that. And then not complying with the public records request can be expensive. So obviously that's something where you are also subject to penalties and criminal criminal penalties as well. And this one just said $60,000 in legal fees. When we can take, you know, it takes us five minutes. So like I said, um, you know, sunshine manual as well can always go into that. Ethics, uh, this is again a, a reminder because we're all ethical, right? We all have... We all have our own ethics that we deal with as well. Um, however, here, I do this a lot actually as well with the Florida Bar. So if I ever have a question, and, and this is in the agenda, if I ever have a question where I'm doubting, you know, maybe something I had said or, you know, a judge had told me to do, I utilize the ethics hotline on the Florida Bar. Not quite often, but if I have a question. And that's going to be something where you can anonymously call, ask, um, you know, see if you are internally doing something that's correct and moral. Uh, guide to the Sunshine Amendment and Code of Ethics and then the Florida State Statutes. You want to, I would do the third, third one last. Nobody wants to read Florida State Statutes. Um, it could get, you know, it could get pretty boring. Prohibited conduct. This does come up um, quite frequently as well. What is prohibited conduct? I would mostly say the first one comes up quite frequently. Um, as far as questioning whether you are, there's a solicitation or acceptance of a gift. Everybody's very giving, but in your role, that could potentially pose an issue, right? Um, so anything, you can't solicit or accept anything of value, favor, or service based on the understanding that your vote, official action, or judgment will be influenced. There are nuances. I could teach an entire day class on the nuances to accepting gifts and, and the implication of looking impartial to a decision that's made because you maybe took a gift. Um, and that could be in any form. That could be in the form of a conference. That could be in the form of a luncheon. So again, if you ever have any questions about that, I would refer to your ethics. There's some things that myself or Ms. Roberts could answer, um, but unanimously, uh, or sorry, anonymously, you could go onto the ethics, give them a call and, you know, say, you know, is this something that I'm doing that's appropriate? Um, unauthorized compensation shall not accept any compensation payment or anything of value when you know or should have known uh, it's given to influence a voter official action. That's a given, um, but it also does apply to your spouse and any minor children, so keep that in mind. Uh, misuse of your public position. We all know that. It's like when you flash a badge. I was a state attorney before. The biggest no-no they told us, they're like, no flashing your badge when get pulled over by law enforcement. We all know that, but it's a good reminder that sometimes uh, that can clearly get you into some trouble, and I've seen it happen quite often in that position. Abuse of a public position shall not abuse a public position to obtain a disproportionate benefit for yourself or others. Um, and then disclosure of certain use of certain information. You can't disclose or use information not available to the public and obtain through your position to benefit yourself or others. Uh, doing business in the city, this is all probably would not apply necessarily to this board, but potentially could, you know, when you're purchasing and renting things. 
Um, again, all of this is going to apply to your spouse and your child. There are there could be nuances to this as well. So like I said, always refer back to that ethics hotline if there's ever any questions. If there's something that you just feel is off, there's no harm in calling and you know seeing if they can answer that question for you. And then conflicting employment or contractual relationships. So you can't hold any employment or contractual relationship with a business regulated um, by or doing business with the city. And then shall not hold any employment or contract which is uh, which will pose a frequently reoccurring conflict between private interests and official duties. So again, clear, however, good reminder, let's all be ethical um, and continue doing so. Uh, so this is for voting and you guys did a great job. I love coming in here watching because it's different boards. You know, we watch the commission meetings all the time. I rarely get to be in here with Ms. Roberts when she does this board with you guys. So you guys have it handled, um, but obviously Florida state statute does handle the voting. Um, so anybody, uh, any member of this board who's present may not abstain from voting unless following are the unless a conflict of interest arises as set forth in the ethical statutes or in a quasi judicial proceeding to assure a fair proceeding free from potential bias or prejudice. So those are going to be your, if those are things where you can't, you cannot ethically vote. Um, and then prohibited from voting. And this is going to be all covered by state law, Florida state statutes. If the item would inure a public officer's uh, special private gain or loss, obviously that always means something financially. If that's going to affect anybody financially up here, um, you would be prohibited from voting on that. And then applies to a public officer, a relative and business associate. So, you know, we all have our day-to-day -day things. So keep that in mind. That's going to prohibit you from voting. Obviously, you want to err on the side of, um, not voting because you never want to be in a situation where you decide later that that may have been unethical of you or here prohibited. Um, and then you must file a written voting conflict in advance of the vote. So you'll know that before. If not possible, then you must orally announce that meeting and file a conflict paper within <coughs> 15 days. And any questions on that too, that's all going to be in Florida State Statute. If you're concerned about everything has a deadline, um, that'll be... <laughs> who's a relative this breaks down mr golan kept this in here i think it's good because sometimes you know we don't know if it's being second cousin that's always a question that comes up relative or any of the following and then your penalties and we we did touch over this and this is this goes for this entire entire powerpoint um impeachment removal from office suspension from office um any reprimand whether that be you know, I know for at least for Florida bar attorneys, you know, that could be in the paper. The reprimand can mean anything. Um, and then civil penalty not to exceed $10,000, then any restitution of any pecuniary benefits received. Uh, meeting procedures, you guys, like I said, you guys do this every single time. Um, I do it on my fall boards or my legal boards that we do, and we have to get our refreshers as well because I think I had heard you said it before. You're like, I hope I'm doing this right. I did the same thing yesterday, and I'm like, wait, do I, call, do I call to order now? And I wasn't sure, and I had to remind myself how to do it because I've never actually done it. I just say how to do it. Um, so yes, that's that's something. A quorum, obviously, is a majority. Uh, motion should be a clear statement, uh, requires a second. Then you guys have the discussion, and then the board debates the motion. Staying on topic. Everybody here stayed on topic today. I'm the, and then the time limits. This is time limit. Time limit per item per speaker can apply. 
may be modified anytime with two-thirds vote. Obviously, we want to keep that consistent. If that's something, if you're giving somebody more time than others, you rerun into issues. So keep that in mind is that while we may want to hear everything or we may need more information, we got to keep that consistent with everybody. Um, and then each board member speaks once per motion, unless no one is waiting to speak. Obviously, you guys may speak again. When somebody is um, absent, so alternate members, and I know we we're missing one today, um, but when a regular member is absent, an alternate may take the place of the regular member. Only then may the alternate participate and vote in the meeting as a regular member. The first alternate takes the place of the first absent regular member, and the second alternate takes the place of the next absent member. Clear as mud, right? So that's why we have it written down here. If there's ever any hesitation, obviously refer back to this. I, I write things out. I'm very big on writing things out. So if you ever have an issue, you know, come back to this and refer to it. Um, in the absence of a regular member and a first alternate, the second alternate will take the place of the absent regular member. Can I ask a question on this? Yes. This is city code, so this could be changed if the commission wanted to? Yes. Okay, so they could change it to allow the uh, alternates to participate without voting. As long as it doesn't go against Florida State statute. Yep, so, and we do code amendments all the time. Um, it just depends on, yes, exactly, what what's the intent of this section of the city code. And I don't have the Florida State statute pulled up, but as long as it doesn't go against Florida State statute. Typically, um, and I can't speak to this one, but typically we try and stay in line. A lot of them, you know, naturally are a little outdated. Um, so, but yes, that's always an option. Um, and then an alternate may participate in a meeting only when taking the place of a regular member. Uh, you guys requesting information that's not a public record. So as a board, you're able to request information, reports and research from the city only through a unanimous vote. So whatever that may mean to you guys, your certain agenda item. Um, if approved unanimously, then the chairperson may request the information, report, or research through the board staff liaison. So this is really just telling you how you get information to help you make your decisions that may not be a public record. That's why you guys are all up here, right? You guys are the best people to make the decisions and help guide the decisions on everything that's happening out here in the public. Um, so if that's ever information you want requesting, the city can provide that to you. We just have to follow a certain protocol. And then the staff liaison shall forward the request to the appropriate charter officer, whoever that may be, for review and then response to your request. The end. Thanks for entertaining us. I'll see you guys next year. Questions? Questions. Uh, we're sent out information from the city clerk or from the, some department. And they ask us to reply if we're going to come back or not, but they say do not reply all. If you're replying and you push all, is that a communication with all the other members about the event that's going on? And is that then a violation of the Sunshine Act? That's a good question. Mr. Powell, do you know, do you guys do that as a formality reply all or, and because I've seen that, I do it quite often. I even no, made a joke. It, it, it's asked not to reply, not to reply all. all. But what if, what it's if not I, intentional. I, I can start there. So mm -hmm. just as far as if I were to break this down legally and I wanted to have a rebuttal, let's say, or if I was in litigation, uh, A, it's not intentional. There was no intent. How do you prove intent, though? You know, reply all. Um, 
that is a good question. I don't, I don't think it, it would really depend on what you said. I don't know that anybody is ever going to ask you a question where you are giving information that's talking about something that may be coming up on agenda substantively. Does that make sense? If I don't know what your response would be, we'd have to, we'd have to pull out a good hypothetical for this. Well, you're just asking it, that you're just telling you're coming to the meeting. Oh, that would be fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fine. So it's the same example, and actually it's in the Sunshine Manual. I was just reading this yesterday. The same example is if, if you both had a conversation and you wanted to pull something off of consent or let's say something off of the agenda and you wanted to do it uh, for the next time, that's not going to be a violation. You're not talking about the substance. Yes, it's a foreseeable action, but it's not making any substantive changes or discussion that should be open to the public. So yes, it, I would just watch the content. As with anything, um, I do the reply all on accident quite often. And I happen to, you know, I use a lot of smiley faces and stuff. But yes, I think it just depends on your content. If you accidentally do that, or if you'd like to, you know, be careful. So, so if you accidentally, you don't have to report it to anybody. Yeah, and you can always go back in and learn this function last week and take back your, your email. <laughs> so, you know, just to show that, you know, there's no, there's no issues that you're not trying to, you're not trying to discuss anything that, you know, may put you in harm's way. But life. one of the people you're responding to is the city clerk's office, so it's already. True, true. They did start doing that recently because I keep falling into that trap. I reply all, and I forget. It says do not reply all. So following directions is step one, I guess. <laughs> Any other questions? Okay, thank you guys. I'll see you next year. It's nice meeting everybody. Thank you. We have one item under general business, <coughs> item number 24-0282, discussion and possible action regarding approval of the Planning and Zoning Advisory Board 2023 Annual Report. Thank you, Austin Grubb, under three, planning and zoning. Uh, I'll pull this document up on the screen. And uh, you received a copy of this uh, at the last meeting. And um, I, you know, housekeeping item, I had to update the letterhead because the city has changed their letterhead. So you're not looking at a different document. You're looking at the same document with a different letterhead. Um, so what this report reveals is that uh, the number of items that the board acted on in 2023 was 57 compared to 33. Um, they're 57 compared to 33 in 2022. So that was a pretty significant increase. And then in terms of other items like training, joint meetings, workshops, um, there were 18 in 2023 as opposed to five in 2022. Also a significant increase. Anybody have any questions on that? Then okay. you go to the next page and <clears throat> if I may start out by asking the board if we can just delete item number three 
and item number 4A, and then go from there. Don't agree. Okay. I'm just talking about 4A, not 4. Okay. Don't agree. Okay. Every year there's changes to the comprehensive plan, and there's new people that come to the board. We have two vacancies right now. If those okay. people come on, it, it behooves us to have that training every year and have the documentation of that training so that we can give it to those people. Okay. So I, I, I recommend it, it to the rest of the commission or board that we, that we leave the things in that we had in there last year uh, because things change every year and yeah. people change every year. And you never know when uh, you may need that uh, updated information each year. And I don't recommend um, removing number three either, uh, because that's important to us, critical infrastructure uh, and economic environmental resiliency. It's important to us to, to consider those things. I'm saying a word salad. Sorry. <laughs> I, get, I get going. I, I recommend that we keep this the way it is. OK. So I can change that. I have a question, uh, and I agree with you, Ms. Hester. I'd like to know the rationale of the uh, planning department. Why are you asking to remove those two items? Um, well, I, I'm new. I've only been here four months. And so I didn't know what you guys accomplished last year and what is a, uh, an ongoing goal. So it's all part of the conversation. I'm trying to get to know you guys. You're trying to get to know me. That's about all. Just as a background, I can, I can let everybody know we didn't have number four before. Last year we added it because I felt that training was important. And I still believe training is important. No, I, I, well, and the document you sent... Under item four, it that's included in the package shows A through E. Oh, and those do okay. not do not appear. Um, so when I look at that, for example, the training on comp on the comp plan on that item A that you've now deleted or is still there. Yeah. Was was there? Um, these were items that we discussed as a board that that seemed to be related. Uh, for example, the update of the other boards. Uh, we went through the parks and recreation, environmental road and drainage. Um, I still think those are items, and I'm I'm throwing this to the rest of you. I find the items that are listed for 2023, I'm, I'm not sure why we would get rid of some of these. Um, update on the city's strategic plan and the city's ULBC, if we don't stay current on that, then as, a, as an advisory board, we find ourselves kind of playing without all the information. I, I don't, right. that's which how is, I'm. Which is why when we discussed it last year, we determined that we needed this information to be able to make better decisions. Those were ours. And so we still need yeah. them. And so the goals for the, the last paragraph reads, the goals of the planning and zoning advisory board should include, uh, the board should 
evaluate the 2023 goals and determine if there's any carryover. I think eliminating that paragraph and going with what was presented, in, unless somebody doesn't see something on that list, but those were the items that we identified because we felt we were being short changed from a standpoint of making educated decisions. So I think uh, from the standpoint of you being new, um, those items were really what this body said were critical for us to keep going forward. And I don't know that removing them, any of those, and again, I'm throwing this out to, to the rest of you, that when I read this, I, I thought, okay, those are the things we discussed, and we all had pretty good sound basis for doing that. So I'm in favor of keeping it as it reads in what the handout was, not what's on the screen. That's easy. To, to, to mimic your previous words, present that. I'll support it. <laughs> okay. I agree. Yeah. With the exception of the last paragraph. We the last paragraph can go, but I think the rest of it, as shown in the draft, should stay. So, is there anything that you want to add to those item number five? Um, no, I. On the training side of it, um, I'm assuming we are mandated by statute to receive, as we just did, certain trainings. Is that what's reflected in that training, or is that training that staff gives us relative to, I just want clarification on the training that's shown. There were three It's not trainings. one of our goals. It's one of our requirements at the city yeah. attorney's office, right. correct? That's part of the board in the ordinance for the Board, for, for our advisory board. Let me be sure I understand your question. My question is, in the training that's outlined in the agenda item there, um, does that include all of the mandatory that your office says we must have annually? I'll check so it. I'm just Give me looking. a couple moments. Okay. Well, this, this list, when I look at it, does not include any training that's mandated. Okay. It includes training that that, that uh, this board wants. Okay, gotcha. Is there anything though that we ran into this year that if we had had the information, we would have been able to make a better decision? I couldn't think of anything, but I, staff has been pretty good in their you know in, their, in answering questions from when, from us at. You know, while they're at the podium, and so I, I can't think of anything as I looked at it. I just wanted to be sure: do we does that need to be included as part of what we do relative to the paragraph, the goals? Do we need to maintain our mandatory, or because that's mandatory by the city, do we need to do that? The the city attorney's going to look that up, but I'm almost positive it states it in the the board. I, I think it's it, ruling of the boards in the city code. Yeah, I think it it's says there, we're but I just that. wasn't sure. As long as it's somewhere, I guess. I, yeah. I think the city code mandates it, but I wasn't sure. And I just wasn't sure what whether that should be included. But if it's in the code, there wouldn't be any. I, I want to uh, state that you guys did a great job this year. 57 items that we <laughs> reviewed. <laughs> Is a is a, a very large number in a long time. And city staff, I want to congratulate you on the work that you've done this year, in the number of items that you've had to put through the process. 
because we just have one little tiny piece of that process. You guys got a big, long process for each one of those. No, I think we've said it all. I would motion to uh, uh, approve the uh, annual report with the re-inclusion of uh, the various items that uh, discussed here concerning uh, training and uh, uh, other information transferred over. Second. Just to, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, you don't have to re-include it just because it's not included on the screen. It is included in, in, in your packet. In the draft that we were supplied, that's what we would like to, uh, my motion said, would like to say. I thought we were also taking out uh, paragraph. Oh. The last paragraph. The last paragraph. And then I have to change the date at the top of the page to 2024. Correct. So then as amended during the meeting. As amended. As amended at our, yeah, it'd be easier for you. It would be easier. Yeah. Okay. And Mr. Cooper, we make a motion. Mr. Baird. Yes. Motion made by Mr. Baird, seconded by Mr. Irizarry to approve the planning and zoning advisory board 2023 She's able to find, I think. I do not have a quick response for you, but I will continue to review and provide you an update. All right. That's fine. great. Thank you very much. Nothing further. All right. All in favor. All in favor of this motion, say aye. 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 All opposed, say nay. Motion passes you. Your agenda items. Any items that the board wishes to place on the agenda? Nothing to place on the agenda. There's no discussion. No, no, no. no. Time is 10.39. I call this meeting adjourned. Well,